Welcome all to the Christmas special bonus episode of Crest's 2020 season. This is producer Dodd here making my presenter debut. In this episode, we'll be hearing from what is officially the highest number of contributors to a single show. Besides each of our regular presenters, we're going to enjoy pieces of Yuletide wisdom from Cove Distribution's Chris Sage and a range of surf shop owners and managers as we get ready for the most important Christmas shopping season the surf industry has known in years. We've got plenty of Christmas goodies for you. We've even done a Christmas theme tune, Jingle Bells of Harlech. Enjoy. So, coming up on this extra special edition of the show, Tom catches up with Chris Sage of Cove Distribution for an update on the state of play of the surf industry in 2020. Stand by for crucial insight and advice on how best to support your grassroots surf businesses when purchasing gifts this Christmas. On top of that, we've invited surf shop proprietors to make their top tips for 2020 presents, and we'll be reviewing the best bits of Crest Season 1 with reflections from each of our presenters. Merry Christmas one and all. Here's hoping it's going to be a good one, both in and out of the water. Before we move on, a quick reminder that we have a survey monkey live at the moment asking for listener feedback from season one. We've had some great responses so far, but as always, we want to learn more about the most important people out there, which is you, the listener. You can find the survey either through our Instagram or just email us at castcrest at gmail.com with one word, survey, and we'll send the link right back. If you want to leave your email address, Obsessive Disorder Tail Pads are up for grabs too, and we promise to keep your data secure. Thanks to everybody who's responded so far, and we'll get on with the show. So, while the beach is an important Christmas Day fixture for most surfers who can get away for an hour or two, we know it's really all about what's under the tree on the morning of the 25th, don't we? I don't think anybody can deny that it's been an anus horribilis for many businesses and certainly a topsy-turvy experience for anybody in the surf industry. A deadly slow spring gave way to a summer when anybody who could surf did surf. What did that do for markets that rely on surf culture and how can you responsibly support the scene when choosing that all-important Christmas gift for a surfer? To find out, Crest's Tom Anderson caught up with Chris Sage from Cove Distribution for some insight. Let's have a listen to their chat. Right, I'm here. Uh, delighted to be able to talk uh, on Crest to uh, Chris Sage from Cove Distribution for a special uh, bonus interview in the run into Christmas here. We're going to ask Chris a couple of useful questions that perhaps for those of you out there looking to pick up some, uh, some ideas for your Christmas gifts. First of all, Chris, well, thanks for coming on Crest. No problem. Pleasure to be here. Um, how's 2020 been for the surf industry then? Oof, it's uh, topsy-turvy, to say the least. Unbelievable. Um, but it's actually um, what what started off very very bleak uh, back in March, with obviously the lockdown, shops closing, and not knowing what's what. Um, I was pretty scared for a lot of my accounts in the oh, start. Yeah, I bet. Um, as time evolved, and I think people have evolved as well, whereby they were finding other channels to sell their product through, and not just relying on their shop door. Um, it actually has turned out to be a bumper season, um, where, whereby shops are selling out of stock, companies are selling out of stock, and, and getting new product in is is mm. the trick. That's the, the there was a bit of a bounce back. I suppose once the lockdowns stopped and people could travel to the coast again, it was like everyone wanted to go surfing and everyone wanted to do it with the right equipment. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the government were kind of. Um, 
push in kind of solo sports if you like so the bike riding was allowed um you could go running and obviously surfing being a mainly solo sport mm. um was kind of allowed back in um and with the weather we had and the kind of idyllic conditions um surfing's surfing's booming and i suppose people had money in their pockets they hadn't spent on going on holiday yes and obviously people were getting paid at home um with the furlough um yeah, and not not going out of the country to spend their money has meant they've they're spending it here. Um, a lot of people have flocked to the coasts when they could, um, and obviously those shops have uh, have benefited. What uh, what sort of items were the big things in demand across the summer then? So wetsuits um, wetsuits were highly in demand, as were kind of soft boards um, and learning learning boards really. So kind of mini miles. Um, yeah. I think even the kind of better surfers were probably thinking, well, I'm not going to Indo this year, so I'll get a new board. Um, so a lot of hardware, really. Um, was it? Wetsuits, surfboards, saps were crazy. Were they? Um, yeah, all things down that. Um, now we're seeing like hooded towels, crazy, because of the um, limits put in swimming pools. You have to go to a swimming pool kind of ready to go in. Yeah. Therefore, people are buying these hooded oh, towels. Oh, like the, the onesie things where they change underneath. I've exactly. seen those with a zip on both sides. Exactly, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so that's booming, and yeah. it still is, because that um, yeah. kind of rule is still in place for swimming pools. So oh, right, okay. That's been been nuts. And softboards, I, I picked up a softboard this summer, because um, you're down the family with your kid, down the beach with your kids as well, and it's like you, you want to go and ride a few waves on the same board that your kids have just been on, you want to go down the beach with only one board under your arm, and soft boards have now gone in the direction of actually being quite performance-orientated, haven't they? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, these um, kind of epoxy soft boards, or epoxy boards with, like, the soft skin, Yeah. Um, they're really popular, because, yeah, like like you, the, the dads who want to go surfing and they've got the family down the beach, it's quite hard to carry a quiver of boards sometimes, so if you've got one that everyone can play on yeah. it's perfect yeah and then it also looks like you weren't planning to go in yourself exactly <laughs> bonus points does it does it change then seasonally now going into winter then does the does the interest the market interest shift from hardware more towards like lifestyle or is that still i mean hardware is still a massive thing in the winter um high high spec wetsuits are an essential item living here um in the summer you can kind of get away with a cheaper suit of the flat lock for a couple of weeks a year and whatnot but in the winter people tend to push the budget a little bit more on a winter suit because it's going to keep them warm as for bringing new people to the sport that does tend to slow down in the winter because it's pretty grim yeah <laughs> and if you haven't got the bug then start starting in january and february is, is pretty hardcore mm. but it's when the best waves are and some advice then we want to ask you about this now then because we're coming out of this pandemic fingers crossed um 2021 apparently has got various bits of good news in terms of improved technologies and whatever else different approaches um so we're turning the corner in some way uh to shop this christmas now then um how do we do that in a way that best looks after our surf industry, our you know our, the, the 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 bits of the surf industry that matter to us in a, in whatever local areas we're in. What's the advice? I mean, shop, shop in your local surf shop is is the advice really. Um, those guys haven't been open for a long time this year, um, and although they've they've done well on the hardware, it's still 
they, they've been operating over kind of two months instead of a six-month basis. So although they've done two months of good trade, it doesn't really balance out to a full summer. And those, those guys really needed support as as well as any other independent in, in your town, really. Mm. Um, it, it's absolutely crucial to support these guys because without these guys there, there is no surf community. And if your independent hasn't got the item you're after is the idea to sort of look, you know, look at what other independent surf shops nearby may have it. Uh, absolutely, I mean, uh, there's a, a lot of there's a lot of shops uh, in the UK, and a lot of them are now online and e-com and things. And the guys in the shop are there to kind of help you and guide you. So if they haven't got the exact product you want, maybe you could ask them. They could order it in, or they could advise a kind of a similar similar product from another company you know um but there there are lots of options and whether it's a a shop that's local to your town or just local to the country you know they they all need they all need a hand and then i i always have a golden rule if you've gone into a surf shop and got a load of advice but you haven't bought anything major i always buy a bar of wax on the way out or something sure it's the least you can do i mean everyone everyone's concerned about pricing and over being overcharged or whatnot I mean, I can assure you a lot, a lot of the shops don't overcharge. Um, they just try to sell things at an RRP. Yeah. So where th- there's a thing in the middle called margin, which the retailer needs to make to stay open and pay the bills. Yeah. If they're just cutting that, then they can, they're just busy fools because they're selling things, not making money. Therefore, they're not going to be there next year. And uh, I'm I'm sitting here now. I'm feeling pretty inspired because we're surrounded by surf gear, which is always you know it's going to be impossible to leave here in a hurry. We just before we started this interview, we'd be looking at a, a rusty Oki surfboard shaped by uh, Prizendorfer himself. I can see lovely looking beach towels. I can see fins everywhere. What what what's a, oh what's that one? Oh, it's a Jerry Lopez lightning bolt as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So for for the for the benefit of the listener, Sagey's just nodded his eyebrows upwards then, and I've been ogling this Oki board, and there's a Jerry Lopez just above me. Um, what 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 items do you think look cool and look fun? You know, look like they're going to be interesting things to to have under the Christmas tree this Christmas coming. Oof, depends how big your tree is. Um, well, yeah, not the Oki Prize and Daughter no, or, the, or, the, or the Jerry Lopez glass. They're not for sale. Uh, they, yeah. they were a midlife crisis present to myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, what's kind of cool? I mean, the the new technologies in surfboards are amazing. With right. um, some of the, the EPS options instead of your regular PU-shaped boards. A lot of people still love a PU board. It's kind of what we grew up on. Yeah. Um, but the EPS options are sometimes a little bit more durable, whereby if you drop them, they don't really crack as, as badly as a, a glass board. Um, so they're interesting. They're coming a really long way. Um, wetsuits, again, evolved so much with different different linings and whatnot. Um, the good thing with wetsuit is a lot of a lot of the brands have really cleaned up their act now, whereby like a limestone based neoprene is standard. Right. Whereas okay. before it was like a petrochemical base. Oh, okay, right. The petrochemical yeah. glues. I hadn't really thought about neoprene. I mean, we talk a lot about what surfboards are made out of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's changing. Then you've got brands, you know, like Patagonia and and other companies that are using um, a product called Ulex, which right. is a much more natural. That's these petro- wetsuit boots. I'm. Uh, that's I'm right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So they're they're like the cleanest of of rubber, really, that that you can get. So 
that that's coming that's coming on you know and slowly but surely the ulex is getting softer stretchier and performs more like a a, okay. a high spec neoprene cool so a good wetsuit and a good surfboard you still can't go far wrong with either of those can't go wrong get a wetsuit that fits you properly because no matter what materials or technology is in it if it doesn't fit you it isn't going to keep you warm and again it goes back to your local surf shop the best place to try wetsuits on is yeah, your local surf shop but don't just use them as a fitting fitting service try them use their expertise and and buy your wetsuit from them sound advice chris thank you so much for coming on crest i think we'll have to be having you back for some more expert opinion down the line it's been a pleasure no problem thanks very much Tom. cheers dude. Great. Uh, big thanks to Chris Sage there for that insight. Um, those softboards that um, Chris and Tom were talking about, I've actually bought one of those myself, and they are really, really good fun in small waves. Um, first time I used mine, though, I took it to the beach, and it was overhead. And also, like a complete doofus, I'd forgotten to put a leash on the thing. So I just went anyway, and it turned out right in the end, but there you go. Um, so in case you haven't had that light bulb moment yet, we asked each of the 2020 Crest presenters to make their own recommendation for surf-related gifts this Christmas. So we're going to start with uh, two-time European longboarding champ, Elliot Dudley. So in terms of Christmas presents, um, I was trying to think of a few things. Uh, I'm a big fan, actually, of socks. Um, I don't buy a lot of clothing and things like that. So, you know... I've always been stoked on socks. Sounds a bit weird, I know, but, uh, you know, after a long surf in the winter when you've got freezing cold feet, there's nothing better than putting on a pair of expensive merino wool socks that you would never have bought yourself. However, I think if I was going to pick a present for a surfer bought by myself, again, I don't really buy presents for surfers that often, um, but I would probably go for something that kind of keeps on giving um i bought my dad a subscription to the encyclopedia of surfing which is a really really good website uh there's just literally everything surf related on there that's a, a, an amazing one and uh yeah definitely worth checking out um i think it's eos dot something or other but yeah that's always worth a look um and then the other one the obvious one really if you can afford it is a subscription to the surface journal which is um the last bastion of great surf journalism um definitely 100 percent recommend that that's uh that's like a present uh, a good few times a year in itself so yeah surface journal or encyclopedia of surfing would be my recommendations <laughs> Okay, um, a real rock and roll start there to our Christmas recommendations. For anybody still listening, Elliot really did just recommend merino wool socks and a website subscription. Be nice to Elliot when you see him in the water. I promise you, in person, he's not that dull. So, moving on from here, we've got Breeze's Christmas advice. Hi, I'm going to recommend some books for stocking fillers um, for this Christmas. I think with the, the COVID situation and not being able to travel very far, books are a good way of um, escaping the, the Welsh winter and um, thinking about some surf spots further afield. Um, so, yeah, the first book that I would recommend is Tim Baker's Surfari. Uh, it's an easy read and a page turner and it takes you on a trip all the way around Australia and um, chronicles his family 
his young family and his wife doing a, the big lap, so driving the whole way around Australia, just really reminds you of how vast and empty a country Australia is. Um, he, you know, he's got all these dreams of finding desolate, empty lineups in Tasmania. And ironically, some of the best surf he gets is over the Easter weekend at the 50th anniversary Bells competition with, you know, crowds of um, all the top surfers from around the world. So there's that, you know, the idea of what you're going to find on the trip and then how it actually turns out. Um, and then he's got other good stories about, um, you know, his ideas of being a hunter-gatherer and catching fish for his family. And the one time that he actually manages to catch some abalone, he then gets fined by a fisheries officer for um, catching specimens that were one centimetre smaller than they should have been and using a screwdriver when he shouldn't have and um, diving in the wrong area in Victoria and his whole kind of dream isn't quite as it as he'd hoped. So um, yeah, definitely a, a good good read. If you've been to Australia, it reminds you of some some of the, the spots. And if you haven't, it'll definitely tempt you to get over there. Um, the next book that I've enjoyed recently is um, it's an old book, I think. It's Nat's Nat, and that's that. Uh, written by Nat Young, quite interesting that he actually pens it himself. He, you know, he does fancy himself as a writer, um, among many other things that he that he's tried. Been a pilot, lots of businesses, um, designing real real um, designing housing developments, and you know his time in surfing um, is really interesting because it's when the boards are changing from longboards to shortboards. And his knowledge of board design and fins and how he needs to actually have those skills himself are are quite interesting. Um, I like the book because it's not a very sanitised account um, of his life. He does share a lot of information that I think wouldn't be shared in the kind of professional surfing era now. Um, and it's quite tonic to some of the sanitised um, interviews that you that you hear these days and you know he's willing to reflect on some harrowing things that happened and um, he talks about a trip an oxbow trip to indonesia where they're motoring on this boat on autopilot to some bower overnight and they crash into a local fishing boat that's you know out in that patch of sea every night um 10 year old boy on the canoe and the one of the men, one of the local fishermen is missing and they never find him. Another one loses his foot. And, you know, he, Nat's quite horrified, really, by the effect of, you know, their desire to go and get to this surf break by the morning and the consequence that's had for those local people. Um, and the last, the last book is another... Um, biography um a bit of a harder read but really really well written um david renson's all for a few perfect waves um a beautifully written biography of mickey dora um he instead of trying to provide his account of mickey dora's life based on his research he just gets lots of people who knew dora to um give their accounts of things that happened during dora's life and then he brings Dora World to life through 
through all these all these different accounts and you know surf is a good storyteller so there's some there's some great accounts there um and just all of the kind of contradictions of Mickey Dora's character his his the mystique around him um going to jail the scams that he does his kind of enjoyment of living in holly in the hollywood area at that time um and then just the interesting stuff like he's such a rebel against the surf culture but then he ends up working for quicksilver as kind of a ambassador in france looking after all of the people who were who were down there um and then his kind of life in j bay and his diff- the difficulties of making films or getting to write anything about him or having him to promote, promote their products He's really an interesting character. Even if he wasn't a surfer, he, you know, he definitely warrants this book because he really, really lived an alternative life. And um, as much as admiring his surfing, you know, the account of his life is um, is fascinating. So I would definitely recommend that one. Um, and I'm hoping myself in my Christmas stocking this year to have um, Andy Martin's Ted Deerhurst book. I, I. We'd like the sound of that when um, I heard him on the Crest podcast and then hearing PJ also mention Ted Deerhurst so many times in, in his episode that um, that's definitely piqued my interest. So I'm going to hopefully get a copy of that to um, enjoy this Christmas. So I hope you um, enjoy those books. Wow. I feel like Bridge has pretty much read those to us now. Um, maybe we'll just call that the abridged version. Uh, seriously though, I actually fancy um, reading that Nat Young book if anybody wants to buy it for me for Christmas. Tom? She even managed to plug um, our previous um, Crest guest, Andy Martin, at the end, which is always nice. So anyway, moving on, um, it's Tom's turn for some Christmas suggestions. Hi guys, it's Tom here. Well, I've got to make a shameless plug if we're going to be on the topic of books and point out that uh, I've got a title out myself in the run into this Christmas. Shameless plug! Uh, it's called Swell Lines. Uh, it's actually essentially a sort of a, a remix or a director's cut of uh, a book that I wrote a while ago, Riding the Magic Carpet, but with a new foreword. Um, and in fact, in that foreword, I talk a little bit about a couple of trips I've made more recently to some of the artificial waves in the country of Wales and uh, in England as well, the wave. And um, I suppose that's my tip in a way for a Christmas present, because I think um, that vouchers for experiences make brilliant presents and one of the trips that i recently took to the wave in bristol where we all got barreled off our nuts was um off the back of a voucher that somebody had got me and i think it doesn't necessarily have to be for the artificial waves um surf snowdonia and the wave both are absolutely brilliant um i think also buying people an sup tour um i had an sup tour once in northern spain that was really memorable um or perhaps buying somebody um, vouchers for a place you know they like to stay or a place you know they like to eat that's in a part of the country where you know the waves are good, that they can then perhaps have an incentive down the line to take a surf trip in that direction. But for me, I reckon that a good Christmas present for anyone, especially if you know them well, to show that you know them well is to buy them some kind of uh, piece of paper that ties them to a future experience, especially since... We're also excited about the fact that we're going to be out and about more in 2021. So that's my recommendation. Uh, and the dollar clown and a poor bloke. 
Um, I'm not sure I want to hear about Tom's trips to the wave again, to be honest. Um, both times I've been there with him, I've crashed into the wall and the, the repairs have actually cost me more than the visits. But there you go. No surprises, though, that the guy who thought you needed to listen to 25 hours of him presenting a podcast chose to um, plug his own book. Right. The um, Speaking of plugs, the, uh, the plugs for Christmas goodies are starting to get a bit more professional now. So uh, here's uh, Rob with his suggestions. My recommendation for a Christmas present for the surfer or surfers in your life is from the brilliant Hydroflask. I'm sure all of their goods are just as great, but it's the 16-ounce coffee flask that I'm singing the praises of today. I treated myself to one of these earlier in the year, and it is an absolute belter. I use it every single day. I drop it every single day, and still it stands good as the day I bought it. It's got a great feature that is, according to the website, called the Flex Sip Lid, which basically stops it spilling, but it's really quick and neat to use. And most importantly, it's incredibly effective. It keeps my coffee warm for the entirety of the working day, or cool depending on my preference. And I am very much practicing what I preach in this regard because I actually bought my sister one of these for her birthday back in October, and she loves it too. Best of all, Hydro Flasks are distributed in the UK by local company Cove Distribution, which is, of course, owned and operated by friends of the show, The Family Sage. Shameless I believe that you can buy directly from the website, which is covedistribution.com, or from plenty of surf and outdoor shops throughout the land. I, for one, will be trying to source my presents from local retailers this winter more than ever, which I think, given the year we've had, is really, really important. Ah, I wouldn't mind one of them, actually. Um, it would be great to pop a hot coffee in it before you go for an icy cold January surf and then be able to drink it in the car when you're warming up in the car park afterwards. Right, even though I thought Rob was pretty good there, we are properly hitting the big guns now and there is a distinctly more experienced sense of sales pitch in the tone of this one. This is Rhino and he clearly knows which side his bread is buttered. Looking for inspiration for that last minute Christmas idea? Then stress no more. This product will suit all water sports enthusiasts from the newborn baby playing in the sand at the beach to the spectator at a rain-soaked sports event. The surf poncho or changing robe, as they are often called, tick all the boxes. A basic adult toweling poncho will cost around £40. And if you want to spend a little more between £50 and £70, this will get you a top quality garment with a double lined hood, embroidered logo, printed panels and a chunky drawstring, as well as a vast choice of colourways. But if you're feeling really flush, spend upwards of £100 and this will get you a waterproof and windproof storm poncho. The Storm Poncho will keep you toasty and dry after and before the pastime of your choosing. Look no further than all-in robes, which are available at all good UK surf stores. That was amazing. That sounds like Rhino's audition for an American cable TV shopping channel. I think the only thing that's missing would be this best fast-paced American accent string of disclaimers. Changing robes. May cause hair loss, erectile dysfunction, homicidal thoughts, and death. <laughs> Side effects may vary. Uh, I've actually had a uh, towel in poncho for years. They're brilliant. Um, I was surfing with Tom one winter a few years ago, and I just chucked my robe on, got in the car, and drove home. Unfortunately, I was living in Gloucester at the time, and I had to stop for fuel on the M5 motorway and fill up wearing just my, thing, my poncho. But, you know, that's my fault. Um, anyway, massive thanks to all the Crest team there for some great ideas. Um, more from them shortly. 
And so to widen things out a bit, we've also contacted surf companies from uh, around Wales to contact us with their top tips for Christmas gifts. So here you go. Hi guys, it's Ben here from Tonai, West Wales Surf Co. Wishing you a nadolig llawen. Um, our recommendation this year is a pair of Surf Ears 3. Keep those ear holes warm this winter. Uh, yeah, you can check us out at tonaisurf.com. Um, or if you're in the area, pop in and say hi. Merry Christmas, guys. Hello to our friends over at Crest. It's Logan Nickel here from Port of Course Surf. And my Christmas recommendation this year is to purchase for a loved one or for yourself one of our surf lesson gift vouchers. To do so, just head to our website, www.porthcoursurf.co.uk, hit the gift vouchers button right at the top of the page and follow the instructions. Hope to see you down the beach soon. Cheers, guys. Hi, guys. It's G at West French. What is going to be hot this Christmas? Obviously, wetsuit and surf accessory are always in high demand. But I reckon the must-have are skateboards or surf skates as it will give you this feeling out of the water in those dark, gloomy winter days. For your stocking fillers, you cannot go wrong with the hula girls to brighten up your dashboard or your working from home desk. Have a safe Christmas from us at West French and joyeux Noël! Hi, Grant here from Unsung Hero down in St. David's, West Wales. Christmas, that is that one time of year you can justifiably treat yourself to that board you've been drooling over on the internet all year. Our Christmas gift pick for this year is anything Yeti. The coolers, flasks, mugs, even the dog bowls. They're the best quality, made to last a lifetime. I've got a Rambler mug, keeps our coffee hot for literally hours. And if you've been to our shop, you know the coffee's good. You can head online to our website, unsungheroesurf.co.uk. Use the code CRESTPOD, that's CRESTPOD, all one word, and you can get 10% discount on your entire order. Cheers. Hi, I'm Nick from Elusive. Born in 2006 from a love of the ocean and the outdoors, Elusive is an independent clothing and lifestyle brand based in South Wales. Our brand ethos is to ensure we are as sustainable and environmentally friendly as possible. By doing this, we've introduced products using recycled and organic fabrics, removed plastic from our supply chain, and also ensure that our consumers received all their products in plastic-free packaging. And in 2019, we were awarded the Plastic-Free Champions Award by Surface Against Sewage. We also support a number of other environmental initiatives, plus one tree planted, so every product that's bought from us, we plant a tree. You can find out what we're up to on our social media pages, check out what our team riders are doing, and obviously updates on product launches. Check us out on Instagram, Elusive Clothing, and Twitter and Facebook, Elusive Surf. Plus, you can also check out our website and online store at elusivebrand.com. With Christmas just around the corner and coming into our nice, crisp, cold winter months, we've got some fantastic products available for you on our online store, elusivebrand.com we've got a nice selection of beanies uh, and coming soon some nice 100% organic ones it's going to keep you nice and toasty warm uh, pre and post surf some nice hoodies nice selection of organic teas um, coffee cups from our cup fully sustainable environmentally friendly backpacks and we've got a nice selection of obsessive disorder hardware tail pads and leashes 
So give us a shout out. Check us out on Instagram, Elusive Clothing, Twitter and Facebook, Elusive Surf. And again, our online store, elusivebrand.com. Cheers, guys. Right. Well, now that we've got the, um, the cold, hard capitalism out of the way, it's time for our 2020 season review. We've kept this pretty simple. Um, each one of the guys who's appeared as a Crest presenter in 2020 has been asked to recall their own favourite moments from the shows. And I've put together a few short clips, which I'm sure some of you will enjoy hearing again. So here it is, the uh, best of Crest 2020 from the people behind the mics. So I've been asked here to have a think about what my favourite sort of memories while recording the 2020 episodes of Crest would be. Um, ended up with quite a lot of episodes in the end and lots of good memories. Um, I suppose the ones that stood out for me were all the ones that got recorded in what we were calling the garden studio. Um, I particularly enjoyed the first time we ever recorded in that setting um, with Richard Stroud telling us about his tales from Shikama for the Surf Trip Nightmares episode. The garden studio was something that came to us kind of impromptu because as you all know there were Covid restrictions throughout the year so we realised that by recording in the garden, we could do everything legally and we could get out and about recording people quicker. Um, but then once we started picking up all that ambient noise, the birds and stuff like that, they started to sound like really cool places to record. And I thought that the kind of garden studio backdrop made a really good set in for the sort of little ding dong that happened in episode nine between Rob and Gwen Spurlock and that's one of my highlights from the series because it prompted of course the uh, jocks versus purist debate that ran for a couple of episodes and led to uh, a kind of formal debate debate episode down the line so that moment when uh, Rob and Gwen started politely and pleasantly in this lovely summery garden setting arguing over the identity and destiny of surfing was a great memory I enjoyed that and I thought it went somewhere great we want to be respected and represented correctly. The only way we're going to do that is by becoming more professional because people, yeah. like you just said, the anti-culture and the rebellious act of surfing and what it used to stand for, that's what people tend to push against. Yeah. It's because they associate surfing with yeah. drug-taking, they associate surfing with rebellious acts. Whether we like it or not, most people I know that talk to that aren't surfers yeah. think it's a joke because they're like, we don't take these people necessarily that seriously because of what they used to it's, be associated with. And uh, that's the fight now, is one versus the other. And hey, look, I'm all for lifestyle surfing, and I think it's, it has so many health um, and mental well being benefits. And I'm all for just going out on a foamy and having a laugh, even though I've been a competitive surfer. I think you need to do that to understand if you want to be a competitive surfer. Mm. I think if all you ever are is a competitive surfer, is you just see it as a sport, yeah. and that's fine, but it's understanding both sides of it. Like, my other garden studio memory was, of course, when we were visited by the ghost of Richard Burton and uh, got Splinter to uh, have a poetry stomp against Richard Burton, refereed by Red Lewis. Totally surreal and uh, a great win for Splinter. You stars that reign at my nativity, whose influence hath allotted death and hell, now draw up fastos like a foggy mist into the entrails of your labouring clouds, that, when you vomit forth into the air, my limbs may issue from the smoky mouths, so that my soul may be sent to heaven. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious me. Oh, Burton. What are you going to do about that one, Burton? Yeah, I've got on. a chance. You can try your best. Yeah, I'm lighting a up a cigar right now. 
stars. The green oh, light. Now he reaches for the back in music, eh? Hath death in a bit late in the game. Now draw Faustus like a foggy mist into the entrails of yon laboring clouds, that when they vomit forth into the air, my limbs may issue from their smoky mouths, so that my soul may but ascend to heaven. Well, Sorry, think, Ben. Guys? I think it was a bit rushed. Not a I patch. know I shouldn't comment on this, but He's it was tempo, almost like he? he needed a poo. <laughs> it's just... It's, um... You're right. You're right. Perhaps a well, all I can say is, uh, Mr Burton, Elizabeth, thank you for coming in. It wasn't your night tonight, but you've had a good day out. Yeah, and, uh, there's the a taxi waiting for you outside, so... Uh... Hi, Crest Podcast. Rhino here. Hope you're all well and managing to get in the water. Tom has asked me to cast my mind back over the last series of Crest and pick up my top highlight. Well, that highlight had to be sitting in and chatting with Angus Ruddle over a few beers. Guess for me is an inspiration, and since recording the episode, many people have come up to me and have said exactly the same thing. Although Guess is a good friend of mine, daily conversations range from where are we going to be surfing tomorrow to shall we have pie and chips? So being able to sit down and legitimately ask all those questions about climbing Everest, travelling to off-grid locations around the world, to other sports and pastimes which aren't related to surfing was an absolute treat and an education. And it's a time that I will remember for a long time to come. Yes. Well, and then you come, come west through Tajikistan, which is just amazing, and then into the Wakan Corridor, which is in uh, Afghanistan. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was like a six-week trip, and... Uh, it's, it's, it was an organised, well, it started off as an organised trip, but then uh, people were just, like, using their sat phones and calling in helicopters and four-wheel drives to take them away. And, the, like, the more disorganised and the more out there it got, like, the better it was, as far as I was concerned. That's <laughs> <laughs> you all over, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think we ended up with about four of us actually rode our horses to Afghanistan, like everyone else was, well, like, yeah, fantastic. And we just left horses, like, you know, all over the place. But, yeah, that was an amazing trip, but, uh, yeah. Ooh, highlights of um, this Crest series for me. Um, Harry Cromwell's boat story I really enjoyed that um when he picked up that new boat and then had all of that uh, those trouble with the high seas and um only just managed to get it round I just liked the way he told that story it was uh, you know high jeopardy and lots of laughs as he as he relived it so um yeah that was definitely a highlight for me uh, by St Govan there is a place called St. Govan's Shoals, which the rips all run in funny directions. And by the time we got there, the like storm was hitting. And um, and the way I wanted to go, it was like the, the waves were hitting us on like the back quarter, which which isn't a nice place to hit. So when when I was steep, when I was going down the waves, the, the boat was basically trying to turn right around. And the boat was surfing down the waves and like nose diving and spinning around like 180 degrees. The engines were cutting out. It was a totally new new boat. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh gosh! And it was a real bad decision by me making going around. And I I really was I was proper scared. <laughs> who uh, who do you have on with you? I had a crewmate with me who's not with me now. Um, but it was a, a boy called Sawyer, and he was white, <laughs> <laughs> and he was super scared, like prop, like we were both shaking, like adrenaline scared. And I never forget we we come through um, like Caldy Sound, been Gilder and Caldy Island, 
And as you get around there, you just totally shattered. And like, I give him a hug. It was that full on. Another thing I enjoyed was hearing Sam Bleakley um, talking about his work as a common uh, commentator on the, the surf um, webcasts. You know, I'd never really thought about before how that was put together. It just seemed as if people were talking and there wasn't much structure to it. But actually hearing how he said that was all put together, um, that was really insightful and um, and something new that I learned. And of course, I enjoyed the episodes that um, I got to have some input into. So talking to my good friend, Cynthia, and um, getting to ask her lots of nosy questions, finding out about her life, um, that was that was great. So uh, yeah, the Cindy episode too. The big questions is how do corals manage in this environment? How will they manage in the future? And so one of the things we've been lucky enough to do is recently we went to Fiji and we were asking this exact question. The way we could answer it was by collecting samples. Yeah. And so we were able to go all on coastal Fiji to areas that corals have done really well. They're thriving. Okay. And then corals are like, ooh, they're not doing very well. They've got like algae growing over them. And what we did is we took drilling equipment and we dived and we dived to right on top of the coral head and I think one thing that's critical to understand is these corals that we specifically look at are brain corals and they can grow up to six meters tall so wow imagine if you're surfing and you duck dive and you see a six it's like a balmy you know like a six yeah. meter tall balmy um so they've been living there for about 600 they years look like brains they yeah big and round yeah big and yeah. round and they I just can picture them yeah. yeah they've been just growing up every year and if you were to crack them open you can see um annual layers like a tree ring yeah so when you crack open a tree you can see so you can actually count back in time to see how old the coral is so i reckon some of my favorite stories were were from wayne edwards just because they sort of ticked all the boxes really for an entertaining yarn real genuine chap who, uh, who was there in the golden age of surf travel. So I love hearing about that. Um, obviously, from a personal point of view, I did enjoy our little debate um, about the state of modern surfing, particularly with regards to, um, you know, the ever more jock-like behavior of professional surfers. Um, this actually came up again recently. Uh, follow the main man, Mark Richards, on Insta. And it just reminded me, really, of how uh, surfers have kind of really become more like tennis players uh, in many respects. So as much as I probably went a bit overboard uh, on that one, I definitely don't regret anything I said. Pick MR over uh, old Gabby Medina any day of the week. Um, yeah, so it was probably the one I enjoyed the most, really, in terms of having a rant. Now, for this one, I think we actually do need to remind ourselves just how overboard Elliot went in his loathing of Gabriel Medina. You asked me, is Gabriel Medina even capable? Would he ever do that? No, he's a prima donna. He's never going to do that. He's never going to graft. He, he has not got that kind of like that all in. He's not a real server. MR is a real server. Medina we, we is get it. You 100% don't like Gabby. an athlete. 
Logan's like, hold me I back, don't, guys. I don't like him. Mate, I haven't met you... the guy, but I don't like anything that he represents. What a great inaugural season it's been. Full of laughs, travel stories, both hilarious and terrifying in equal measure, and plenty of touching moments too. And it's in that vein that I've chosen my favourite moment of season one. My personal highlight of the season came from our interview with the legend of Welsh surfing that is Mark Schofield. I loved hearing all of his tales from back in the day, from the madcap adventures with Chris Chip and the leashes forged from stolen roadside rubber, to finding waves in the Canary Islands. His first forays into surfing on a borrowed board through to his countless surfing titles and, perhaps most notably, his win at the European Championships. But despite having known Mark well for a long time, during the chat I had with him as I researched this episode, I was simply blown away by how much he's had to overcome and the apparent stoicism with which he's faced it all. And sure enough, as we sat in Mark's garden back in early summer, I felt the goosebumps on my arms rise up time and time again as Mark talked us through the many health-related obstacles that he's faced over the years, and most importantly, overcome. Here, Mark explains to us how he's managed to pick himself up and dust himself off each and every time. A heroic feat from a hero of ours. I've, I've always tried to, or I always try, even in most stuff I do, I'll try and find the one good thing, just the one good thing. It may be over in the corner, but it's a good thing. You know, I use it with Jane when, if you're tidying a really dirty room, some people don't know where to start, it's, it's chaotic. But if you can find one thing, it's sort of like, right, I'll put all the greens over there. And as you put the greens there, you make space for the blues. Do you, do, you, yeah, do, you, do, you, do you see what I mean? So suddenly you've got a pattern going here. So from my point of view, it would be, uh, do you know, I'm okay. I can actually, let's say, it's hard for me now, but I can walk around the golf. That's good. I can do that. I'll go and do that. I'll play golf. And then I may play a bit better golf. And I think, great, that's really good. I tell you what, I don't feel so bad now. I think I'll do, do you know, and I try and build on that one positive. Ah. Uh. Some, uh, some great memories there. Um, I really, really enjoyed returning to some of them, actually. Following on from what Rob uh, just said, it was uh, genuinely um, inspiring to hear about how uh, Mark Schofield has managed to uh, overcome his various health issues. The, uh, the hospitality of the Schofield house was great, too. We had uh, beers, canapes, and lots of hand sanitizer all round. Um, also, I noticed when we were listening back there that most of our Crest hosts chose a great moment from, uh, from one of their favourite guests. However... Um, I don't know if you realised, Elliot managed to choose a great moment from himself. But there you go. Uh, personally, um, I've really enjoyed recording season one of Crest. I'd say the single episodes that I enjoyed the most were probably um, Angus Ruddle and Big Wave Glen Evans. Um, I only briefly met Angus once. I didn't really know anything about him. Um, and I wasn't present for the recording of that one either. I'd just given Tom detailed instructions on how he needed to set everything up. So when I listened back to that during the edit, I was just completely enthralled and not really paying attention to what editing I was doing at all. Um, Glyn, on the other hand, I actually know fairly well. But uh, like Ryan said about Gus, I've never really asked him much about riding those giant waves that are forever going to be out of my league. So it was basically great to hear that firsthand from a friend of mine. Um, I was chatting to Tom 
obviously about our favorite moments in the run-up to putting um to putting this show together and we both agreed that visiting um pj and james in swansea was a definite highlight for both of us we couldn't really pull together a single clip out of them and they're amongst our most popular shows anyway so if you haven't already listened you probably should just go ahead and listen to them my absolute favorite moment of the year though was getting to record pj playing some music um pj and i had been chatting about his uh, guitar collection when we were there during the day and we decided that when everyone else went off for lunch we'd like to do a recording session um i just set the mics up did a quick sound check and then pj came in and played his songs through in one go no edits no second takes he just got them done um i've done quite a lot of recording myself and i can tell you that just turning up and just doing things in one undone as we'd say is um is quite tricky um pj's a proper pro performer and he'd never even really recorded before um i actually prefer his version of stay young to the original and i thought the original song that he gave us was great too right well then guys um if you're still there well done and we are done thanks again for all your support in 2020 all that remains is to wish you a very merry christmas and a happy new year and to let you know that we'll be back in 2021 with uh, more interviews from the characters and figures that make our surf culture the wonderful thing that it is. So in a break from our usual outro, we're just going to have another PJ original, because why not? And in the meantime, look after yourselves, hope you all get some good waves, and we'll see you in a few months. Au revoir!